Welcome back, everybody. It's been a it's been a week. <laughs> no, literally, it's been a week. <laughs> and I know that we had another train, another train wreck in uh, Ohio, by the way. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, not, that was not as big, but that's even closer to me now, Springfield yeah. area. So. You know. Yeah, it, it's Feb. You know, I thought March was going to start off just kind of as boring as possible because we've had enough excitement in February, but March is already off to a banner start. So, and here we are at the end of the weekend, coming off some really interesting activities the last time we met. And Winter is currently traveling, so I'm sure she'll try to join as soon as she can. If not, we'll see her next week. Um, but the team had finally gotten a break. They understood and they had learned an opportunity. The Umgun River, while mostly broad and expansive and had, um, there was some difficulty in tracking down where Vassarik was initially, but then he was spotted on the river flotilla. An ambush was prepared. And in the process, finding a choke point within the Umgorn and giving uh, Sawtooth and his daughter an opportunity to make their way to the main village, alert those that might still be at the village, while the team plotted their ambush. The ambush was kicked off rather well, actually, as the majority of the ships were not only impacted by the massive amount of gators that were influenced by Puck's um, convincing them that there were lots of tasty things in those boats to eat. But it created enough of distraction, enough of um, an ability for the team to then properly set up the ambush as the survivors came out of the river, including Vassarisk himself. Not only did they take on the survivors, but a, uh, a mixed assortment of river gators as well as the dire gator, the great giant that uh, seemed to be the dominant creature within the area got involved as well a very protracted battle took place one at height at range from from within like just this amazing back and forth with an interlude of hungry gators jumping into the mix from point from time to time but the team had managed to fell vasarisk and with like with maybe one or two surviving gators and the large gator as well, and then one surviving lizard folk. And where we last left off after Vassarisk fell, you guys began to take an account of the battlefield. And as you do, you notice the one surviving lizard folk makes a break for the undergrowth of the jungle while being chased by the 50-foot-long gator at the same time. Meanwhile, the smaller gators, sensing easier prey in the river, turn tail and head back into the safety of the river and those lizard folk that might be a little bit easier to kind of munch on and feast upon. Winter comes, um, Winter's gymnastics while suffering, she picks herself <laughs> off the ground after falling out of her tree twice in a single series of moments. But Xanath is nearby, Puck and Lunch and Punch are nearby. Spot, you're back on the river's edge as well. Uh, amongst the area where Vasilisk had fallen. And then Earthen, after being knocked unconscious multiple times up in the air, <laughs> being brought back multiple times while up in the air. The 
And I think we launched this ambush around afternoonish, correct? Mm-hmm. So. As the afternoon sun still lingers above the canopy of the jungle, half a dozen lizard folk, including Vassarisk, as well as at least one or two of the large gators, are kind of beginning to attract bottle flies and river carrion and other things that are beginning to pay attention that the battle is obviously ended. It's afternoon. The humidity is still there. Somewhere off in the distance, you can hear the crackle of the beginning of a like, jungle storm being kind of forming. But it's that cold humidity because we are still technically in winter. So it's not like it's the heat as much as just a feeling that rain might be coming. What would you guys like to do? I reserve the corpse. Do we get the feeling that there are still lizard folk running towards the town? Like bad guy lizard folk who are still running towards um, the town? Give me a perception check as you begin to check the river and the area around you to see if there's any survivors. Okay. Give myself guidance. Uh, to two. Two. But I have good perception. Okay, ten. Ten? Guidance. I mean, that's good enough to realize that the majority of the flotilla lies wrecked on either side of the of the shoreline. Um, with Vassarisk's demise, you can see about two dozen lizard folk just kind of melting away on the other side of the river, realizing that whatever sense of surprise and power that they had in this assault has been broken. Um the river is now choked with the bodies and debris of the individuals involved, as well as the ships that were involved, the great kind of river boat that uh, Vassarisk was using. Um, last thing you remember seeing was a Triceratops running away up the river's edge, the great mount of Vassarisk. It would seem that the entirety of this thing was spoiled, that between ambush and Vassarisk's death, doesn't feel like there's any immediate threat to Satu's village. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hey, Puck. <laughs> Are I, you okay? I, I, hey, look, temporary health was all that was keeping me alive for a minute. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sheer force of will of Zant was keeping me alive for a short term. Okay, I'm still pretty hurt right now. Uh, but hey, Puck. Um, you want to track down that Triceratops? Uh, yes, didn't you turn it into a, a Bronchosaurus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it ran away. And it should be back to a Triceratops by now. Yeah, um, eventually I, you feel all the I wanted magic. Was it to clear, you know? Yeah, you eventually feel the magic fade. Like, you get the feeling the spell mm-hmm. just faded. But, uh, um, you know, it was never my purpose to injure the Triceratops. Um, merely to get it out of the fight, and I think that was somewhat successful. Um, I think he but, could uh, I think I think that would be a lot more fun than walking, uh, honestly. Uh, sure, yeah. If, we, if, it's, if it's not far away. I mean, if it's far away, it's not worth trying to chase it. But Oh, let me kind of look around. It will be nice to talk to it to see if it knows anything. They're not meat eaters, so you don't have to worry about being eaten by it. <laughs> when you're my size, everything's a meat eater. Okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> you know, when you're three feet tall, everything's a bit of a meat eating possibility. I'm just saying. That's, that's, your, 
that's your tagline as a ranger. <laughs> that's her t-shirt. <laughs> All those two are kind of talking about tracking down the Triceratops, which I'm absolutely in for. I'm going to go rifle through uh, Vassar's pockets and see if he has anything interesting. Okay. So go ahead and give me investigations. You begin to search his remains. Uh, Earthen, what are you doing at this point? I know you and Puck were talking about tracking down the Triceratops, but Xanath, you can see, Uh, he's over by the river's edge, kind of examining the the remains of the flotilla and looking for any possible threats currently. uh, Can I examine the corpse real quick before we take off looking for this Triceratops that uh, see if I could find out what was power, like if if there was anything where he was driving, grabbing his power from. Uh, because uh, in that case, you give me Arcana while Spot is doing investigation. I got a nineteen. Okay, nineteen. Okay. Oh, uh, not terrible. That's uh, seventeen. So for the two of you, you immediately find Earth, and you immediately find his spellbook. And his spell book is made out of some strange skin that you've never seen before. And it's the arconic writing written on the front of it just has like uh, an etched hand of a of like a dra- uh, like a lizard folk hand, and then his arconic symbol emblazoned into the hand. Um, you pick up on the fact that it feels kind of like packed magic. You thumb through the book and you realize that what he's written in his book are spell anchoring components and kind of like invocations. You get the feeling that he was very warlocky in nature and that some kind of pact was driving his power. Spot, on his entitled personage... There's really only two things you find of value. A ring on his left finger and then a um, staff that he was wielding at the time. Other than that, not much of anything else. Okay. Do the uh, anything strike my... Do I notice anything in particular about the ring or the staff? They're... Their construction, their kind of what they're made of, definitely feels like power, feels like magic. I will say with that role, however, in a in his like small messenger bag that he had kind of like strapped around his shoulder, you did find uh, correspondence, um, lots like a heavy bundle of what feels like letters, correspondence, messages, maps, just all kind of wrapped up together and like kind of like tied off with like a, a, a leather kind of like thong or wrap to keep it all bundled. Um, you would have found his wealth that was in that same messenger bag. So you found 25 gold pieces and eight platinum pieces and a small bag filled with small gems, like maybe about a dozen variety of small de- gems. Okay, he said 25 gold, 8 platinum, and some gems. Yep, small, like a small bag of about a dozen miscellaneous gems. Like maybe they were component based. 
So Puck and Earthen, you're now heading off to see if you can track down that Triceratops. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we're, as we're walking off, like as we're walking off, like uh, hey, uh, Spot. Uh, when it, when we get back, uh, I can take a look at those items for you and see if we got anything fancy. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. Um, is the giant gator gone? I was gonna try and just say thank you and make sure we're chill. Yeah, you can see his huge <laughs> footprints had gone off into the undergrowth of the jungle to chase after that final uh, lizard folk that was still alive. Thanks. We'll be back and bring some food sometime. Yeah, you just hear a high-pitched scream of terror somewhere out in the jungle. (laughs) Go get him. Oh, no. (laughs) It's kind of like Lake Placid. No, no, no. So does that make her? Does that make Puck uh, Betty White? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lizard folks, the cow, and she's Betty White. Sure. <laughs> I've always wanted to be so, Betty White. <laughs> all right, all right, tracker uh, ranger person, uh, you're clearly going to be better at this than I am. But I've got a uh, height advantage because I can fly <laughs> up and you know look down and see tracks, maybe. But I need to know what I'm looking for. I, I thought just in general you had height advantage, but yes. Um. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Give me a survival check as you try to track the, where the beastie might have gone. Any chance I can use my nature check? Um, sure. That's fine. As you're not really sure where it is, so you're just trying to get a general lay of the area Ooh. to figure out where it might be. I got 27. Oh, dang. Yeah, I saw that roll. That's right. <laughs> no, I have a plus eight on my nature, and I never use it. <laughs> um, so you back, you and Earthen Lunch and Punch backtrack up the river to where you last saw the Brachiosaur kind of go running after it was frightened and then transformed during the fight. Um, you even find the transition point. After tracking up the river for about 10 or 15 minutes, it goes from these huge footprints of being a brachiosaur back into its triceratops form. And you've got a pretty solid idea of the direction that it's going. Um, at some point, as you follow these tracks, you see that they deviate away from the river and kind of begin to go into the undergrowth of the jungle, but at a slower pace. Um, okay, I think it should be close by. Um, let me just get some rope out, I guess, if we want to catch it. Um, Can I roll perception since we're like going into the jungle now, away from the river bank? What are you looking for? Uh, more like trying to be aware of. Uh, if there might be anything else besides that triceratops around, uh, yeah, give me um, give me perception or investigation. It's up to you because your pace is kind of slowed down, and you realize the creature's slowed down, and now you're just kind of looking around, wondering if this is the only thing that might be out here. Ooh. Okay. Can I also roll for perception? Sure, if you want. That's 
15. I mean, you can see signs that the creature has moved through here. You can see pushed over small trees. You can see it's not attempting to hide its path. I mean, it's quite, you know, it's it's not like it's trying to be deceptive. It's It was frightened after being turned into something. And now it's kind of chaotically just trying to get away from what frightened it. Um, but its pace is slowed. You can follow the kind of debris that it's leaving behind as it's kind of moving through. Um Go ahead and, um, Puck, as you begin to do, like, an examination of the path that the creature's taken, go ahead and give me another nature check as you try to figure out the general direction it might be going. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. After a while, the undergrowth, the foliage thickens. The density of this wild area of the jungle without knowing where the other footpaths are. It's not really near the area that Sawtooth had guided the rest of you through. You eventually lose track of it. You don't see or find any remains of the direction it might have gone as just the overall density of the jungle begins to take over. Sorry, it might be the end of it unless you want to fly up a little bit and see if you see anything and just be careful of the giant mosquitoes and the other flying things good I, I, i'm gonna like reach in the pack and grab the bomb like as a good reminder and apply apply the bomb because i think it's been a while <clears throat> thanks for the reminder you want some of this too yes please and i slather myself I'll activate my uh, <laughs> I'll activate my ring and like kind of go up and try to look down, see if I can see anything uh, in the in the if I notice anything by being up higher. Okay. And and lunch and puncture with you, right, Puck? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So that leaves Spot and Xanath back at the river's edge. What are you two doing with your time? Basilisk had uh, both Puck and Earthen um, have wandered off. Winter has climbed back up into a tree to keep an eye on the river, both upriver, downriver into the open lake in the direction of where Satu's village is. Um, so far, no survivors have approached. Uh, Spot, you managed to take everything of you know value that you could think of off of Vassarisk's form. Uh, Zanath, you're still down by the river's edge, just kind of looking at all the debris and still keeping an eye out on any potential threats. But with you two being down by the river, what would you like to do? Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like running off after Earthen and Pug. That Triceratops, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Just hear a heavy sigh coming from the tree. Uh, <laughs> that's what just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Dino Venture. <laughs> yeah, Look, I'm okay about chasing after like uh, the le- lesser deadly species. I'm, I'm totally okay with that part. <laughs> it's only lesser deadly it until it decides to sit on you, but sure. <laughs> it's not actively trying to kill me like all the others. So, <laughs> so is there anything that you want to do at this point? Um, yeah, I, I think I'd like to send a message to Korgoth and, and tell him that we, you know, have sort of put off the ambush. Some survivors have run into the woods. We don't think they're coming towards the village. 
Sawtooth is dead, what are you doing now? Not Sawtooth, Vassarus. Vassarus, yeah, not Sawtooth. <laughs> okay, so you send a message. <clears throat> but less than a minute goes by. Excellent. Um, me and my daughter are on our way to the ambush site. Be there shortly. So, Arthur, as you begin to float upwards to try to get a better vantage point, mm-hmm. Puck, as you're watching, something in the canopy of the trees shoots out towards Earthen. Earthen, you watch as this canopy spider just leaps out at you and grapples onto you. Um, give me either athletics or acrobatics, please. How many hit points do you have? <laughs> uh I can do uh, acrobatics better than athletics because athletics okay. is a joke. Okay, <laughs> athletics is a minus one for me, so let's really yeah. not roll that one. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, Matt, twenty plus uh, plus four. Okay. I rolled a nineteen plus six. Oh, no. <laughs> so as you, like, think you're about to get away from this thing, you feel the legs wrap around you, almost like it just like this this huge, like, spindly creature latches around you, and you feel the mandibles dig into your ribs uh, for six points of piercing damage, but I need you to make a con save. <laughs> Yes. Sorry for laughing at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're in kind of like a strange area of the jungle. There's wild things out uh-huh. here. So. I mean, the whole buzzwise rolling perception, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a 30, or I had a 29. That was why I was rolling perception earlier. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, hang on. I'm, I got to look for my modifiers. D&D Beyond just conked out on me for a second. Uh, it's a 14 without my modifiers. Okay. For, uh, so that's minus one plus two, so 15? Uh, 15 was a DC. So while you're able to avoid the poisonous effect, you will take half of 16 points of poison damage, so you only take eight, and you're not poisoned. But you're currently grappled okay, so that was that was eight plus six, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That was eight plus six, right? Okay. Yep. All right. Just make sure I got my... Count so, right Puck, because you've got your, you're like, hey, Earth, and where? You just watch the spider come out of the canopy, like grab onto him and pull him back up into the jungle canopy. Um, and you're like, and, and he's restrained and grappled and pulled up into the tree. And now you could see about a half dozen other canopy spiders beginning to kind of jump from the treetops in the direction where he's been pulled up into. Well, fuck. <laughs> okay, lunch, punch. Let's go help the bard. Like, I think that we're playing your like, I mean, lunch is like, I, I, I mean, do we have to? He keeps doing stupid shit like this. Doesn't seem like a good idea. This was not my idea to fly off. It was fun. It was fun. It was Puck's idea. Hey. <laughs> yeah, no, lunch immediately starts diving up towards the canopy. Um, Punch like jumps up onto the tree and she's or he's crawling with his nails to get up into the tree. What are you doing, Puck? Um, I'm also going up the tree and getting my bow uh, and my crossbow ready. Okay. Are you climbing the tree? 
Uh, no, I'm actually I should probably be on top of uh, punch. Okay, so punch is climbing with the you added weight and you you could see the spider that's now grappled onto earthen. It's its body form is pretty small. It's it feels like it's mostly legs and mandibles. So Yikes. it's it's like a medium sized creature as far as you can tell. The others are kind of jumping through the canopy, getting closer. Um, you want to take a shot? Yeah, sure. Let's Roll. Go for it. See if you can hit it. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. Please don't hit me. <laughs> don't take it the wrong way, but you're so close to death. I don't know that it will make a big difference. <laughs> At least I won't fall. <laughs> I got a oh. 20. 20, yeah. The arrow, and it hits it right, right in the thorax of the main body of the spider. Go ahead and roll for damage. Uh, six. Six? You watch as the thorax of the spider, like its abdomen, pops. And Earthen is just covered in spider goo. Just all over him. The legs go limp as the body of it falls away from him. And he's just floating there alongside the tree, just spitting out spider goo out of his mouth and eyes. And now you can see about what was once a half a dozen, about a dozen of these spiders now beginning to come closer. Um, Get out. <laughs> okay, I tell Launch to take Earthen away, and me and Punch are going to book it. Okay, so you guys jump down the tree. Lunch comes over to you, Earthen. <laughs> I think we better get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Please. I'm his already tail, floating. Distracted. Yeah, his tail like wrapped around your waist and he just starts flying away from the tree canopy and back down and then kind of like Looney Tunes style lowers his tail into the river water and just dunks you really quick. No, alligators! Alligators! No! 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 And he just starts laughing, going, and starts flying with you back in the direction where Xanath and Spot are. You can see Puck polymorph you into a mouse. You can see Puck and Punch are kind of, you know, Puck is on Punch's back, and he is like gallivanting along the river's edge. Eventually, Spot and Xanath, after they've been gone for about a half hour, and then Winter climbs out of the tree, the five of you gather up um, in the area. Um, there's still at least five other lizard folk corpses that haven't been um, searched yet. Um, there's still two remains of gators here as well. Um, mid or, or afternoon turns into mid-afternoon at this point. No uh, arrival of Sawtooth yet. I'm going to go on and cast Mass Cure Wounds since we're all huddled up together now. Okay. Uh, as long as you guys are within 30 feet of me, I'm going to Mass Cure Wounds because I, I need it badly. <laughs> Wait. Uh, Every yeah. time we try to dino venture, something really bad happens, I've noticed. <laughs> well, uh, like I actually rolled on... Uh, <laughs> I rolled on D&D uh, 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 Beyond. That's at 13. So Nice. For everybody. Oh, shoots. All right. Yeah. Uh, I Pets included, I think, right? Let me see how many people that affects. Um, each target, yeah. Uh, six creatures. Oh. So, yeah, there's four of you, five of us, plus this punch or lunch, either one, curtain. Oh, thank you. 
I'll give it to one you. of them. I can't give it to both of them because I'll get six total. <laughs> so there's five of us plus one of them. Lunch is a tank. I'll give it to Punch. Okay. Lunch is very much a tank. <laughs> Lunch is a tankier tank than I am. <laughs> he's the, he, but he is, he's like this the most scared tank though. Like he's he's a mouse tank. I'm not scared. I just believe in self-preservation. There's a difference. <laughs> you are clearly like beefier than everyone around here, and you're talking about self-preservation. You would. It's a sign of intelligence when you choose not to fight. And he kind you of flies off. Right. <laughs> right. That's that's what that's what they all say. Just here for markers, Dad. Just here for markers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She heard all the ruckus and was like, I need to go check that out. I need to get a marker. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm feeling re-gingered with uh, my new hit points. I'm going to start searching the other lizard folk bodies for anything interesting. Okay, give me an investigation check as you do that. Okay. Hey, leave me that ring and the staff, and I'll uh, I'll ritual cast uh, identify while you're doing that. Not so good on that one. I only got an eight. Okay. Um, other than their kind of ceremonial weapons uh, that are kind of traditional to lizard folk, um, their armor, while nice, is just kind of like an amalgamation of organic skins and bone and and kind of like thorny protrusions like embedded into the armor itself. Um, For the most part, they don't seem to carry anything of wealth or these were warriors. These were warriors and people about to go into a major battle and they just carried their equipment and their weapons. That's all they had on them. Um, Can we check out the boats that like... Absolutely. I mean, there's there's at least a half a dozen of them that have fractured up on this side of the shore. And now you can see from where Xanath was on the river's edge, just, you know, huge piles of debris everywhere, uh, both out in the water and mostly the choke point itself. Well, the main river itself was um, anywhere from 80 to 150 feet across at the widest point. The choke point's only about 30 feet across. Um, So with now it's filled up with debris um, it's kind of creating its own white water kind of rapids as the, the, the water is kind of coursing over the debris. And every now and then a piece breaks off and drifts down towards the lake. Uh, I'm going to kind of look at the others and be like, I can literally walk on that. Is there anything you guys want me to take back over since I can just get it? Uh, Hand me that ring and uh, staff real quick so I can sit down and Check these things out. Okay. So your ritual casting identify on those two items. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is the uh, larger boat that, uh, that the Triceratop was on visible? Yeah. The back end of the fractured end that's like jutting out of the water is closer to your side of the riverbank. Okay, I just kind of raise my hands. Lunch, do you mind dropping me in on that? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Grabs you by the his hands, flies you over, and <laughs> lets you go. Uh, you kind of three point land, like right on the teetering side of the deck, but it's flat enough and not too over angled that you're able to kind of keep your footing and 
and keep your positioning. Um, but you're up looking down at the fractured remains of the boat going down into the river. And down in the water, you could see piles of like weapons and uh, siege engines and other things that were on this boat as well. You could also see the uh, chains and um, restraints that were used to kind of keep the uh, Triceratops lashed onto the deck during travel. Um, this feels like the flagship, like the, the main river boat that Vasilisk was using. Um, and you could see about a dozen or so partially eaten floating remains of lizard folk. And then every now and then you see uh, a 20 foot long gator surface and float for a minute, kind of float over by a corpse. Its mouth opens, chews and rolls and pulls the remains underwater. So the waters are very much busy with gators um, feeding on the remains of the lizard folk army. Hey, buds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I just start looking for anything I can scavenge or anything that might give us information. Uh, okay. Specifically, me... there's a guild that they're trading with. Okay, give me investigation as you begin to look through the interior of the lower deck of the riverboat, as well as anything that might be on the remains of the top deck that you're kind of standing on. Um, I got 19. 19. Um, the one thing, there's a couple things that you find. The first thing you find is the restraints were made by the copper makers. You recognize their emblem. So clearly Vassarisk was having some kind of trades with them. Um, you also recognize that they were bringing enough equipment to set up a siege with the village of Sawtooth. And for the most part, everything you're seeing tells you you've probably broken that opportunity for them. Um, you also notice from this height, looking out and away, you can see three small dots on the lake that are getting closer. And then you can see a dot up in the sky that's gradually getting closer as well. Oh, shit. Um, okay, it seems like somebody's coming. I'm going to kind of try and hide. Okay. Are you staying on the ship or getting back on shore? Uh, I'm going to stay on, she on okay. ship. Do you let the others know? Uh, yeah, I make wild hand gestures. <laughs> so, Zeth, because she wasn't here earlier. Yeah. You see a panic puck pointing out towards the lake and up in the air. You get the feeling that might be Korgoth getting closer. All right. I do a big, a big wave to Korgoth. And I'm like, uh, I, Korgoth is coming. They're on their way. And he watches the pterodactyl. Comes banking out of the sky. As it lands, you see his daughter jump off. And then he turns back into his chieftain form. And he's looking around, taking in everything to say that your skill is a is an understatement. You may have broken the back of their force. Is that? And he looks, and he walks over by you, our Earthen, where you're off to the side, examining the staff and the ring. And he stands there for a moment, staring down at Vassarisk's body takes a moment to mutter a few incantations and then he brings his hands together and there's like a loud kind of 
pop of arcane energy. And then he looks down at Vastrisk's form. Speak. And then Korgoth looks at the rest of you. What shall we ask him? Who was he dealing with? Who were you dealing with? His, like, dead form rises up off the ground in, like, a half-sitting position. His broken neck kind of lolling to the side. I was dealing with those that offered me wealth and opportunity. Did you see this sickly kind of evil grin come across his face? Korgoth goes, this one's not cooperating. We'll have to be clever in our questions. We have four more. You watch Winter kind of step out of the background and you hear her voice. What's in the pit mines? And then Korgoth goes, What is in the mines? There's a guardian, the eggs, the plan, the tomb, and the great shadow lies there. <laughs> kind of like tries to fight at the effect of the speak with dead. This one could be lying as well. I don't know if we could trust these answers. We know some of these things could be true. I want to ask, uh, did Mason know about the shadow or is he being deceived? Is Mason aware of what is in the volcano. The creature actually looks perplexed. It's undead eyes kind of like separating. And since rigor mortis and kind of the after effects of death haven't fully set in, it's like weird to have this dead form stare back at you. We are not familiar with this name, Mason. That, that, Answer feels honest. Yeah. Maybe they are not connected. <clears throat> How can we get past the dragon? What is our likelihood that we can defeat this dragon? The undead form of Asterisk. I would encourage you to try. <laughs> Tooth falls out of his broken jaw. Korgoth just looks back at all of you. Final question. What shall it be? What happens after the Great Shadow is released? Korgoth stares at you for a moment. Do you expect to happen 
after you release whatever is kept within the volcano. The undead, the dead dragon's head kind of lulls off to the, or the lizard folk's head just kind of lulls. <laughs> Death will happen. Death will happen. And it lets out a final wheeze as it just, its corpse lies down and just settles into the ground. I don't know how helpful that was. Avasarisk is dead. The village is protected. Some of my people are coming to join us on the shore. They will take us to my village. Question is, what do we do now? Well, do you know if if he would, uh, if he had a lieutenant or some a trusted confidant? I can't imagine he would. He was so paranoid. Okay, it was that, his word or no word. That just makes me question that because you said you thought he was honest and hit my response. I saw a member of the of the Salty clan speaking with Mason, so I asked him. Hmm. You saw a member of who? The Salty clan. That would be my clan. So you saw a member of my clan speaking with Mason? Oh. That's what I got from way back when, but yeah. We had a we saw somebody speaking oh, to the tail back. No, sorry. No? no. I, I had uh, the uh, As far as I know, my scouts had spotted Mason traveling with two strange Oh you're individuals. right, you're right. I'm sorry. It, it was scale back. I had misread that. I apologize. Yeah. Scaleback yeah. clan was pro but according to what we just asked him, he has no knowledge of who Mason is. Or he could be lying. <laughs> they don't have to be complicit in their answers. Just they choose to answer. The answer could be truth or false. I think we were getting some truth with more false. Yeah, wealth and opportunity doesn't really make a lot of sense given uh, your guys... <clears throat> hmm. You guys hear a thump as the two river boats pull up onto the edge of the river, and about a half a dozen sawtooth warriors kind of disembark and begin to like go through the debris, keep an eye out for gators, allowing the six of you to technically seven because his daughter's there as well be able to talk about what to do next. Oh. I'm going to go ahead and uh, hand off the satchel for full of correspondence that I picked up to uh, Hmm. Thank you. Doctor, go through these. See if you could find anything. Did I, so uh, the, ring, the ring... The yeah, the ring is a ring of um, arcane resistance. Um, it does require attunement. Uh, basically, as a bonus action, you can initiate a element of resistance that lasts until the end of your next turn. What and the ring... Go initiate ahead. an element of resistance? Say that again? What does it mean to initiate uh, like an element of resistance? 
So, for example, as a bonus action, you can invoke the ring to be cold-resistant. Or oh, you can wow. invoke it to be fire-resistant. And you can use it three times per long rest. And you get the feeling that's why he was able to, like, not take as much damage as you expect he would be. This, uh, if we have to fight that dragon, this ring could come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever, whoever, want, I mean, you're, you, Sean, you'd be the one closest in, I think, right? Yeah. I think we should go to someone with low HP. I mean, I don't want to take all the stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've got the lowest HP of everybody. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I like, I, I think I can stay far enough away if we have to fight a dragon that I could, that we can, with enough room to dodge the fire blast, but uh, I'm worried about someone being close in. Um, I mean, we can hold it in the bag of holding or, or hold on to it till then. All right, so I'm just making notes on this. It's a ring of arcane resistance, and basically the user can choose a form of uh, damage to be resistant against up to three times per long rest. Did I yep. get back on this ring? Okay. Just making sure. I'll slip it on my hand for now. Uh, until we, uh, and like, but I haven't attuned it or anything, but just okay. holding. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Puck. Oh, uh, I'm still on the boat, right? Yeah, you're still up on the back end of the boat, and you watch as a couple of Sawtooth's clan members come over and they see you up there and kind of wave up at you. Um, Okay, am I able to take the chains that they were using on the Triceratop? Um, you kind of examine them. Each chain link is a foot long by about uh, three inches wide. Uh, the chain itself is maybe 12 feet long. Probably weighs a couple thousand pounds. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty... I mean, this is a pretty big creature, so it, these chains are pretty... Pretty robust. Oh, well, I tried. Um, I just keep looking for stuff to loot, specifically extra weapons and money and anything suspicious. I'll say you definitely find some crossbow bolts uh, to be able to replenish your supplies. Um, Give me another investigation check as you kind of crawl down into the pile of debris that seems to be just filled with crushed boxes and and barrels and, and other things that have all just kind of piled up together after the ship was kind of like broken up and teetered down. Um, I got a 22. 22. The thing that you find most interesting is one of the barrels is filled with an, like a very unfamiliar powder to you. And it has like a sulfur smell. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, put it in bags. Okay. See if I can identify what it is. Yeah, you managed to gather is. up about five pounds of the powder. Um, okay, are there any... Um, I know they use a lot of poisoned arrows. Are there any of those lying around? Um, yeah, I'll say you find about a dozen... Um, and actually, they use them. I'll say you come across some blow darts and blow guns, 
um, that are pretty well made. Uh, you could see the waxy, gooey coating of blow darts. And I'd say, like, you find a bamboo container filled with about two dozen blow darts. On the bottom of the container is the waxy substance. And it looks like they hold onto the container, take the dart out, dip it underneath the container, and then they put it in the blow dart gun and then blow it. Um, and the blow dart gun has about a 60-foot range on it. Oh, my God. Nice. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yes. The weapons. Okay. So you got it. Got at least one blow, um, blow dart gun. You've got um, uh, two dozen of the darts with the container that holds it. And you managed to collect about five pounds of that strange powder. Um, okay. I think I got as much as I can out of these wrecks. Uh, I kind of try to make my way back. Okay. You eventually make your way back over to where everybody else is. Um, and Earthen, you finish identifying the last of the items, the, the staff. Um, it is named, it is called the Shadow Staff. Well, that's fancy. And it reveals two things it can do. Um, it can store up to two spells of... Uh, level five or under. It also gains the wielder who attunes to the staff a plus two to their spell attack modifier. Ooh. Once again, this is probably the whatever his pact was with, he was designed to be formidable. And once again, this makes sense as to where he got those extra spells from when he was seemingly exhausted. But his spells, man, they were, when they came at you, they did damage and they were very effective. Yeah, this, this could be really useful. Um, yeah, so this staff, um, hmm. I feel like I'm keeping all the items. But the staff is is it, it can it can contain spells. I can hold two spells of level five or lower. Um, well, it could contain two powerful spells. Uh, let's say that, um, and uh, and they'll contain spells well. on based on who they're to like who the staff is attuned to. Okay. Right. So you can you can contain powerful spells, uh, two powerful spells in the staff. Uh, it also improves uh, your attack modifier for your spells. So, um, Xanth, I mean, you're the other uh, caster here. You're the other one with uh, some kind of non-physical attack ability. I have uh, a... I also uh, uh, just a quick question on that. Because for the, uh, the physical attack, like, what, uh, what can the staff itself do, or is it just it's the equivalent of just a basic quarter staff okay cool it, it, it feels like a combination between an arcane focus and like a a staff designed to enhance somebody's magical ability it doesn't feel like a melee weapon it feels very much designed for purposes of magic okay. I could put two raised dead in that staff yeah. That could be really useful in a fight. Not I mean, if, if what you range from the dead fights with us, but... 
Oh, well, Ray's dead is just bringing you guys back to life. Oh, well, I mean, I, I can, I can, I have that ability as well if I've got the components. If. Um, can I ask people if they can guess what the powder is? If they recognize it at all? Um, you guys watch as Puck comes over and she's got this bit, like little medium sized bag. She comes walking over like, hey, what is this? What is this? Um, Earth, and you immediately recognize it because it's something that's very commonly um, used in some of the more special branches of the Dwindalian army. Uh, it's it's black powder. Uh, keep every flame away from that. That's gonna like that. That's that's not magical. That's black powder. Ooh. That'll blow up. And she goes on to describe black that there's. Maybe a dozen barrels on the remains of the large river ship that 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 she got it from. Um, hmm. If we're going to be assaulting um, or even digging, ah, that could come in useful to some degree. But man, that's a lot to carry. Um, hmm. We we have like a pouch of holding or something, right? Oh yeah, I've got the bag of the 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 haversack of holding. Uh huh. Can it sit in there? Uh, Small enough, it should be able to. I mean, the, the, her pouch will, but like a barrel, I don't know. I have to look at that. No, a barrel wouldn't fit know. through the, yeah, yeah. Fit fit through the opening. You said if I just dumped the, just dumped the barrel into the house. As this conversation <laughs> you know, as this conversation is going on, you watch as the last of the riverboat that was kind of like sticking up suddenly makes a huge kind of rending and cracking sound as the force of the river pulls it out into the middle of the choke point. The choke point finally shatters and all the debris begins to float down river and down into the deeper portions of the lake on the other side. Well, we have one bag. Tie it off really tight. And <laughs> I guess it's drop it in I'll put it in the haversack. You, you okay with that outside of the Twindelian Empire? I don't think I've seen this before. Isn't that special? Um, How did they get this? It, I mean, it's it's used for it, it's used for um, gun kind of weapons. Like it could be big, could be small. Um, you know that guy that a while back uh, who had the magic. Uh, pepper box, the, the uh, what was his name? He came from uh, from uh, Whitestone. Percy. Yeah, that pepper box. Yeah, I, I'm intentionally. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> he uh, he really liked this stuff, uh, but it also nearly caught him on fire or blew him up uh, a few times. Um, it's really sensitive to fire. That that could good and bad. Um, well, what I'm kind of trying to get at is there was a ton of it on those ships. Doesn't that mean that they've traded with someone? Well, I do. Did you see anything else on the ships? Um, I describe everything I've seen. Yeah, and as she describes that, all of you get the feeling that they were trading with Gnomeworks. Uh, the, the siege yeah. engines, the, the equipment, the copper maker's mark on the restraints for the Triceratops. Vassarisk was trading with those that run Nomark's 
um, and the 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 jungle uh, the jungle ward the uh, temple ward the kind of like they must have been trading with them must have been known. So from her description, can we like for the the harness and everything? It, it, we saw the the, the brontosaurus thing being loaded up when we first arrived. Um, from her description, we can uh, can we draw a connection like you know it's the same 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 thing same possibly concept. yeah possibly um in fact that makes you think that the triceratops which might have been vasquez's mount was part of the trades that were going on as well at that time that seems incredibly what what could they have been trading that would cost that much that i mean that could afford that much Maybe somebody in Gnomeworks wants what they want. Maybe they were one of many that could end up in this position and, you know, fill in their shoes, especially if there is somebody wealthy in Gnomeworks who is kind of pouring money into this. All the magic dust, gunpowder, siege engines, siege animals this is a lot well did you guys have any ideas how to proceed from here uh, is anything left at all of the uh, of the ships or are they all completely broken out I mean from what you can see give me a perception check as you continue to scan the remains of the debris that you can see That is a 19. 19? Um, looking around, yeah, it's whatever the river is pulling downstream and sinking into the lake. I will say this much. On the opposite side of the river, there's at least two intact river boats that are up on the opposite embankment that had disgorged some of the other warriors that kind of fled off into the jungle line. So there's at least two boats that are intact on the other side. All right. Um, hey, Puck, uh, I want to go take a look at the other boats, just see if... Uh, I would have loved to do this on the flagship, but see if maybe there is something, uh, any compartments that the officers didn't want the men to know about. Maybe, you know, some smuggling things for documents or uh, other or other effects. You want to come with up, sure thing. And I go on top of the head, get a piggy ride. Yep. All right. So I'll dash it over to the other side of the river. Okay. Um, deftly avoiding the many alligators feasting on the remains of the other lizard folk. You kind of, you know, spots showing off. He's kind of using them as like ways to kick off and like he'll be right across the water. He'll see an alligator just floating there, like eating a piece of lizard folk, and he just walks across it and then brings the two of you over to the other side, leaving everybody else on the other side of the river. Um, as the two of you arrive, there's these two large ramps that have been kind of laid down. The river boats are like flat bottomed, maybe about 10 feet wide, about 20 feet long. Um, these two boats are filled on the back end with what looks to be supplies and crates. And all of them, you can see like um, 
uh, like branded ironed into the wood of each of the boxes, the mark of the copper makers as well. Um, you could also see one mark that doesn't look um, too familiar to you. Um, it 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 looks like a almost like a wheel with a hammer in front of it and an anvil underneath it. Um, while the other ones are the traditional insignia of the copper makers. All right. I want to take a look at that that one non-copper makers when you how how large is this? Like can I physically It's move? a pretty large size box. I mean you'd have to move things out of the way to get to it, but you can get to it. But it's like as you move boxes out of the way, you go to kind of like pivot the box and it just it's very heavy. Incredibly heavy. How how's the lid held on, or uh, how it looks like, to be nailed on? Like if you had a crowbar, it might just be like an, just a simple pry it off. Okay, kind of slip my claws uh, uh, underneath where the uh, where I can see uh, the nails are driven, and just try, try to lever it up. Yeah, give me a strength check as you do that. Uh, strength check twenty two. Twenty two. So as you and Puck stand there, you crack the top of the off. The minute you do, you realize the lid was holding all four sides together and then all four sides come apart. Um, and there's a very, it looks like a large bulky item covered and swaddled in like cloth or linen. This looking part, it's like, let's okay, let's unwrap. So you start unfolding, unwrapping, um, it's an anvil. This is oh. less exciting than I was expecting. <laughs> and it's covered in strange markings. Oh, that seems maybe cursed and magical. Uh, let's get Sanith on this before we accidentally curse ourselves. Alright. So, gonna continue looking, see if there's any other things. Uh, do I notice anything that... Uh, like uh, do, do I thief eyes pick out anything? Any uh, anything interesting? Um, as the anvil lies there, you know, just that explains why it was so heavy. But yeah, going through the rest of the supplies, it's more um, more truncheons and kind of like those those ceremonial weapons that they were using, um, uh, arrows, darts, more blowguns, um, you know. Clearly, they were play. It feels like there's more equipment than people were involved. Almost like they were planning on finding more potential people to get involved. Oh no! They had more allies, or they had a brainwashing thing, or it's just—it's a bad news. I don't like this. I'm—I'm I'm gonna try and call Zanith and Earthen over, see if lunch can help them cross. Yeah, yeah, I'm on it, and lunch. <laughs> kind of flies back over, flying in between Earth and, and Xanath and uh, Skalari I mean, and Krogath. Um, uh, Korgoth. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Puck says she found something. I don't know. She says it's no big deal, that, that it's probably nothing, and everything's fine. <laughs> so but she'd like you to take a look at it. I signal from the it's other side of the bank, just it's looking very... <laughs> 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 no, ah. <laughs> Puck is doing her best Team America. Looking <laughs> 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 uh, I think I think she wants us to cross over. 
All right, yeah. I don't have a way to get over there, so let's just Morgoth comes over. Let's just take one of the river boats. Of my people, ferry us over. There's nothing left here, and uh, kind of guides Winter and anybody else who wants to join onto one of the boats. The two large warriors kind of using these long poles to guide the riverboat over to the other side and then kind of hits the other side of the embankment. And Puck, you can see everybody now getting off and coming towards where you and Spot are. Uh, Zanath, the first thing you do is when you see that um, anvil, it immediately strikes you as a religious object. You don't even need to make a check. It feels ceremonial. It's the way it's made, the way the engravings are. There's obvious religious runes. Um, give me a religion check as you get closer to it to try to understand what it is. All right. Can I tool cast uh, <laughs> detect magic while we're like crossing as well? Yeah, that's fair. What'd you get, Zenith? Um, I got a 10. 10? Okay. So your detect magic picks up on heavy, heavy divination magic, earthen, coming from the anvil. Zenith, do you read Dwarven at all? I do not. Okay. You do recognize it as a ceremonial anvil with a lot of dwarven writing and runes emblazoned into it. But other than that, you're not really sure what else it's capable of. Um, if we need to, I can I can concentrate and try to read that thing. Looks like it's in Dwarvish. Does anyone read Dwarvish? I don't remember if I do or not. Uh, I think that might be a different character. I'm checking now. I don't. I got oh, uh, no. Well, I, I can comprehend languages, you know, if we have to. I've got that. It looks like it's it's definitely a religious artifact. I just can't tell what it's for. Well your mute me, puck uh, if you're talking. Um, I point towards the symbol on the box if anybody recognizes it. Hmm. Do we recognize it? Uh, uh, I would say Xanth and Spot wouldn't, but Earthen, you can give me a history check. Mm. Uh, I'm going to use a lucky point. Okay. That. I can't remember I have those. Oh, I'm glad I did that. That's 13 plus 5 plus 2. That's a uh, dirty 20. You recognize it as the symbol of the faith keepers. They are a guild and organization that um, often uh, hires others to find ancient dwarven relics. Mm. And they are led by a very old dwarven wizard that goes by the name of Carden. He's known as Carden Broadfoot. Uh, I read about the guy that runs this thing. Carden Broadfoot, I think was his name. It's his dwarf name. You know, they're 
they like their feet. They like their rocks. So it's feet, rocks, shoulders, but, uh, stouts. Yeah, you know, axes. They really, they really love their axes. And typically, their first uh, name is their given name, and then their secondary middle surnames tend to be the name of their clan. So he would definitely be yeah. a member of the Broadfoot clan. And it's a kind of renowned note or <laughs> broad feet. Um, it, they're kind of known um, to be both in the uh, Ashkeeper, um, in the Ashkeeper Mountains, as well as the borderlands of the Dunrock and the Floquet. So these are these are mountain dwarfs, but. This is the Faith Keepers logo, uh, uh, insignia. Um, they're, they're all about finding these kind of relics. Um, but to what end, you know, I really, I really can't say. Um, this is Dwarven, though, you said. Um, what was that about the, uh, the Cindercrest King? Do you think this has a connection? Do you, I mean, you remember we spoke, we, who was that? Puck, you found the singers. You, you told us about the Cindercrest King, right? I think so. We've had a couple of people kind of tell us in relation of the history of the mountain and the rumors of the castle. And also we've heard the Lizard Book talk about it quite a bit. It's possible. I mean, there is a lot to speculate. The question of whether they knew how to use it because they know certain types of magic or if there was somebody they were trying to get it to i guess where does that kind of fit in in the puzzle of whatever they're trying to achieve um if you, if you can give me a minute i can uh, i can concentrate on this and maybe i can decipher the runes okay i'll say my only fear in staying here too long is potentially having you know, their friends find us, but maybe we'll be well, we okay. We have these guys now. here now, right? You have about a half a dozen of Sawtooth's, you know, warriors nearby. So far, there's been and no sign. Oh, that's um, true. Korgoth is there. Um, Scalari's there. So you guys are, you're a formidable force at this point. There's quite a few of you, and you get the feeling that a lot of this might have been tied into Vassarisk's leadership and personality because there should have been enough of them to probably try to make another stand, but they haven't come back yet. They still haven't returned. So I'll take, uh, I'll take some time and try to ritual again uh, because I don't have that many slots left. <laughs> I'll try to ritual again, comprehend languages uh, on, okay. and uh, read the angle. So it's going to take time. So whatever happens in the meantime. Okay. That's fair. Can I, we might have already asked him, uh, can I ask Korgoth what he knows about the Cindercrest King or whether they have been blocking access to his tomb? I'm not really sure. Uh, the Cindercrest King, I mean, I suppose it could be a reference to Thordak, but uh, we haven't had much uh, Thordak. Uh, the leader of the Chroma Conclave that uh, laid waste to the capital city of Amman. Mm. He was known as, I believe, the the Cinder King, 
but I don't know uh, anything about a crest. This feels like something new to me, something I'm not familiar with. We, I think, have heard a few times now of a of a, a dwarven tomb buried sort of deep within the island with a a relic. Hmm. And I wonder if the island's very old. <sighs> it could be true. I don't know. I don't know of any dwarvens here, though. That seems strange. And I certainly don't recognize the cinder crest. It could be. Maybe it's a reference to a name of something. I mean, here you clearly have a magical item with dwarven relevance, but I don't know why dwarves would be relevant here. I think the question for me is what is, still wondering what the copper maker's objective is. It seems obvious what faith keepers would want. You know, everyone's trying to get into the mountain to get access to this tomb, but what are the copper makers looking for? I don't know if they're willing to trade or were willing to trade with Vassarisk. Perhaps their interest was something to do with the ceremony of keeping the gate sealed. There are many parts to this ritual. The gates being resealed every hundred years is generational. The ceremony itself involves the reforming of an ancient stone, imbuing it with magical properties, and then sending it back or setting it back into its placement, its seal within the obsidian gate. For whatever they are digging for on the other side of the island, not really sure what that purpose would be. I think you stated that you had friends on the way there to investigate. We the do. Possibility. We have been that way, and we have we've heard nothing from them in a while. Hmm. I don't know. I see more questions than answers in front of me. That is certain. However, our ceremony is in two days. I would feel better if you and your friends would remain in the village until after the ceremony. Then we can take my people and head towards the mine pit. And there we can recover our eggs and deal with the dragon the same time. As long as the gate remains sealed and secure, the embodiment of this shadow creature cannot get out. But I leave that up to you. It's your choice. Can the ceremony be accelerated or does it have to be in two days? It has more to do with the timing of the occurrence of the ceremony. It has to be exactly a hundred years to the day, which is in exactly two days. 
would be a morning ritual upon which we set a great stone that we have created, a rare stone made of rare elements. We then infuse it with a protection ceremony, the essence of the magical nature of my daughter will pass from her and into the stone. The stone will then be placed back in the entonement, and once there, the gate will be resealed yet again for another hundred years, until another priestess can be identified for purposes of resealing the door yet again. Would you like us to stay as bodyguards for the, you know, event of it? It seems like a lot could go wrong. My concern is that if there are other allies or people interested in what we are doing out here, my fear is I will not have enough to defend against the ceremony. I feel that you and your friends offer a measure of protection that could be helpful. Well, that's nice of you. Well, you've proven yourself. I think it's more on you than it is on me. Well, we would love to help in whatever way necessary and to be on the safer side since it seems like this might be a vulnerable position. I can, if it helps. I can gather up four of my best scouts, send them in the direction of the mine pit, and see what they can discover before we leave. That sounds like a good idea. Um, Earth and Zenith, what is your instinct telling you about how to approach this? Have I deciphered the anvil yet? No, you're still working on it. It's pretty complex. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't really think right now. I'm busy. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Zenith. What is your instinct saying? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's right that the ceremony is a priority. I'm. I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about Nala. She was. You know. There were people who were not in great shape down in the pit mines. This that was this morning. And it feels hard to wait another two days. But the, the ceremony has got to be the priority. That seems correct. I guess let's see if we can try and reach out to Zevo and see if anything is going on on her end. And if we can get maybe people that she knows to help out with just making sure everything is safe you know, just back up in case. Um, and I'm going to go into the boat and join Spot and searching for loot because I'm, I'm a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sticky-fingered gnome. Uh. <laughs> kind of leaves uh, Xanath alongside Korgoth and Skalari as well as maybe three or four of the remaining warriors that are just kind of keeping an eye on things. Puck and Spot begin to try to search through other boxes, trying to figure out what's here, what's not here, what might have value. 
Earthen, you feel your sense of focus on the anvil waver for a moment. But you bring it back in and you continue to focus on the runes and the writing. And after a while, you realize that the dwarven runes are translatable runes of simple kind of understanding. They're describing something called the creation anvil. All of the symbolism feels like Moradain's references. And this is either a representation of what they believed, whoever the dwarves were that made it and then put the symbols on it, believe it to be the anvil that Moradain created the world on. It feels like a spiritual focus. It's definitely magical in nature. It feels like it's capable of something. And it feels like it's very out of place, like it was taken from somewhere else and then brought here for a purpose. Korgoth. I couldn't help but overhear distracting as it was during my concentration. Yes. Did you say you have to forge a stone? The stone is already made. Um, it's made of rare elements, and then we place a protection ceremonial um, representation of our magics within the stone. It becomes fused with the gate and then reseals the gate the divine protection of spirit. This this anvil here is at least at least it's a representation of the creation anvil. Are you familiar with uh, I, I can't assume you're familiar with uh, Dwarven um I know that they are small, they drink a lot, and they're smelly. Other than that, I don't the, know much about dwarves. But the theology of the dwarves, Morden, Morden the, the, the creator of all things, um, this is a this, this anvil is imbued to be a representation of that. Um, it definitely doesn't belong here. Unless they had a purpose for it. It is part of their equipment that they were bringing to siege my village. How do you, how do you forge your, your obsidian key? How do you forge that stone? Uh, we gather up um, a strange green kind of element that can be found near a mine near the obsidian gates. It holds a lot of magical properties and magical abilities. I believe when I spoke with Sibo uh, during one of my travels back to Gnomeworks and to the Underdwell, she called it, started with an R, uh, residual. Residual? Yes, that is what Sibo called it, residual. No, residual is That's only uh, available. Here. Residuum is only available at Whitestone. At least the refinement of Residuum. How? There's Residuum here? Uh, Sibo described it as being very raw and unrefined. I'm going to pull out my bag. Uh, and I'm going to pull out the bag and open it. I still have my Residuum bag and open it. 
The color is off, but the look of it seems right. The residuum, um, it's a strange word. We actually call it the water of life. Uh, we use it for minor ceremonies and invocations of divine understanding. Our people and our lore tells us that this island was formed when a great tool of the gods fell from the sky. It erupted in the center of the island, brought the volcano to life, and inside that great light that fell to the island was the god meant to be imprisoned within the volcanic prison. I, these are stories and superstitions passed down, but it's part of our pantheon, part of our belief, and we feel that this star that when it fell passed a great life on to us. And that is the root of our religion. That is the root of our understanding of our relationship with. Anybody remember who his patron is? Uh, hang on. It's called note checking, folks. Call no check. I know. I'm, I'm digging. I'm digging. Come on. <laughs> Melora. What about, yeah. Is it Melora? Okay. Yeah. So yep. he's describing how him and his people feel that the origin of discovery was made. The origin, in, even though he's over 500 years old, his people are almost a thousand years old um, during the time of calamity. And he's describing an instance within the legend of their belief and the origins of their interpretation of life. A great star fell from the sky, landed on the island, created the volcanic prison. And ever since then, they've been tasked with their agreements with Melora to keep the obsidian gate sealed and to keep the prison safe. And I would say... You guys' exposure to Residuum and some of the conversations you've had about it, there's a great many people, including the Dorolo Academy, that believe the raw source of Residuum is and possibly could be a byproduct of meteorite or meteors that have fallen towards Exandria's surface over great extended periods of time. It's vibranium. Depending on your perspective. So with that, let's go ahead and take our five-minute break, and we'll be back here in a moment. As we are getting closer to the source. Yay! We are back. 
can't wait for debtors gambit tonight because they finally get to go into town and they're they're on a they're in the fey but they're in a fey pocket of existence where Strahd has moved Bonrovia to its own little place of existence as they're still looking for um, uh, Brandon's uh, character's patron. Because they were told he's somewhere here, around here. He's trying to free him? or He doesn't know who his patron is. Oh. And supposedly his patron is his actual birth father. That's a complicated, uh, complicated. Oh, uh, his backstory was so much fun. I just, I went with it. I said for season two, we're going with, we're just going with the uh, Gatharn's backstory and see what happens. <laughs> Puck. Oh, we had a we had we had swim team today, so swim. Meet. Oh, yeah, very cool. So, oh yeah, my younger daughter uh, knocked all kinds of times down. So, good day. So with that. What would you guys like to do? It's now mid-afternoon. Uh, puck and spot, other than finding more equipment, more weapons, nothing of monetary value at this point. Just lots of equipment intended to be used on assaulting the village, as far as you can tell. Nothing, uh, no compartments that, uh, that I can see, nothing that cheers uh, my deep sense. No, nothing specifically. Can I take a look at the correspondence? Um, I, I know he handed it to Korkoff. Can I uh, request that from Korkoff to have a look at? Um, he points over to his daughter, who's got it kind of like underneath her arm as she's having a conversation with one of the warriors. Make sure I get her name right before I call her name. Scolari. Scolari, yeah. I was going to check on it. Uh, Scolari, excuse me. Um, could I? Yes. Could I see those? Um, of course, I, those? I have. I have not gone through them yet. Uh, she pulls them out from underneath her arm and kind of hands them to you. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna kind of just glance over them. Uh, are they? Can I tell if they're common or if they're? Uh, give me investigations. You start rifle through, rifling through them. Uh, I'm gonna burn my last lucky point for that one. Okay. I'll give you guidance on this if you need it. Oh, no, I'm good that time. All First right. time was a four. Second time was an 18. So okay. I was certain a four wouldn't get me anything, but second time, so that's 18 plus three plus two, so that's 23. You find a batch of documents um, between the copper makers and the faith keepers about the transfer of funds the requirement of a magical device designed to shatter a spell of containment, as well as continuous promises to the faith keepers that once the discovery and understanding of the location of the special item or items or quantity of items is found, 
that they may proceed with their plan. It's very cryptic, and it's written in such a way that if you don't know what they're talking about, you may not know what they're talking about. So this is either done this way because of fear of spies or other threats that they didn't know about. You do find an interesting note mixed in with the correspondence talking about a religious threat from the dwindles. Something about an individual responsible for the maintaining the safety of religious beliefs catching wind of their need of a particular device that they seem to speak of in very cryptic ways. I'd also uh, say you find a laundry list of supplies and meeting points. You find a very detailed list of all the different villages that have been taken over. There's at least 14 of them. You also find a very well-detailed map. And the map is now in Discord, and it's called the Dark Depths. Uh, can I try to I'm kind of... I'm going to hand that off the fuck. Okay. Uh, thanks. Um, I'm going to try and use the map of Revelation in connection with this. You recognize it as the base and root foundation of the volcano. This is an extensive understanding of what is in the base of the volcano. The correspondence described the entry point. Um, the entry point seems to be near, near a point called the Ember Fields. And this is where the mine has been dug. They go on to talk about the area called the Lava War, uh, Worm Reach, which is to be avoided. There is an internal mountain range within the base of the, of the volcano called the Shadow Peaks. There's another area that they call that seems to be the one that has the most interest in the correspondence called Tiana's Reach. And that's where the number one and the effigy of a hand is coming up out of the ground. That seems to be the focus of their exploration is reaching an area within the root of the volcano called Tiana's Reach. Um, I noticed there is also a blue part indicating maybe an underground uh, water area. Is there anything I can notice or can kind of like combine it with as far as like the upworld, like actual land? Is there any kind of river or lake that would make sense in conjunction with it? Based on what you're reading, it seems to be more of a place of mist or a place of unknown shadow. Oh. Yikes. Uh, jinkies. Scooby-Doo, copyright. Scooby-Doo. Nefarious teenagers trying to solve mysteries. I try to use the map of Revelation in conjunction with it to see as far as, as anything else that can be revealed specifically. 
And hard to tell other on. than yeah, hard to tell other than what this map that Earthen just found, because the problem you've been having with the map of Revelation is that it reveals to you that there's something powerful at the base of the volcano, like in the interior, but there's that resistance, there's that magical resonance that seems to prevent a true revelation of what's in there. Oh. It just um, gives you that kind of... Okay. I do. Oh. Can I just can I summon Korgoth over to take a look at the map and because we don't I mean we have no idea if the obsidian gate where the obsidian gate ties into all this but he's been here long enough maybe he Yeah, he looks at the map and he points to the area called Tiana's Reach mm-hmm. and he indicates that his village sits just outside the edge of that part of the volcano. Korgoth, if what I'm reading is, is correct, um, it sounds like they found a way in at the Ember Fields. Uh, how is this possible? You said it was... No, it shouldn't protected. be possible. Well, I mean... The Obsidian Gate is what we believe that prevents this form, this dark form, this shadow from getting out. That was our agreement. We were given long life, and that's why we do what we do. That does not mean there weren't other ways into the mountain itself. But even if they find what they think they're looking for, as long as the obsidian gate remains closed, and the magical seal maintained, the creature still cannot leave. It's prison. It does not matter where the prison lies. It does not matter how they get to this prison. But as long as the gate and the seal remain closed, it cannot get out. Just, I, it's hard. I, 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 I'm not good with maps. I know, I know Puck is good with maps, but you would know this island better than we do. Um, where would the Ember Fields, that, is that Roughly in correlation to where our friends may be, where where your wife, where your mate may be? Possibly. I don't know. Uh, the village your, that she was in charge of is further away from the volcano and not as close as it is normally to us. Protecting the brood and the hatchery was the purpose of that village. Right, but they were they were they were stolen away. Uh, to the place where the dragon is, on the mines on the other side. Well, they're describing just, the Ember Fields as the place where they've dug the mine, is it not? Yes, I'm just making sure I'm not... Uh, My scouts have only ever gotten sure. close. They've never actually been there. Your friend Zanith is the one that scried, I believe, is it not? On the location, she would offer more understanding than I. Zanith. Come, yep. come here. Uh, so this map was among the correspondence. Um, uh, and in the correspondence, they speak of the Ember Fields as being some kind of a back door. Um, does anything on the map, um, does it feel or look familiar to you? Um, can I sort of glean anything based on what I saw during the scry? Yeah, I would say during your scry approach to the mine pit, this is pretty accurate. The volcano in the middle, 
the lava fields around the volcano, the kind of fractured, broken landscape around the volcano. This this feels accurate. Does it does it feel to me like the the place where uh, knowledge is being kept is the ember field? That's where the pit mine was. Probably. Okay. Feels pretty much like that's where they might be. Yeah. This. This actually looks really consistent with what I saw in the scry. Um, I think the pit mines are, are in the ember fields, like the correspondence suggests. Can we tell where Sibo is, like, in relation to this map? Sibo feels like maybe she's north of the fields. So maybe she's closer to the lava worm reach. Okay, where they said not to go. <laughs> At least in the correspondence, they're, uh-huh. in their effort to explore the area, they're describing Tiana's reach as where they're trying to get to. Um, there's something about the Shadow Peaks that seem to be unexplored, but there's absolute insistence that the area of the lava worms should be undisturbed. There's a, there's a threat there that they don't feel like they can contend with. Well, is it a case of the enemy of the enemy is our friend? Maybe a nice little worm, nice little love of worm. Friendly little worm. So, so, so hear me out. Um, based on the correspondence here, it, it, it almost sounds as if perhaps Mason, um, may be an enemy of our enemy. Oh. I mean, I wouldn't mind being friend with him. He is stronger than us. No, 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 no. But his style is so no. rad. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Uh, credit, points, points for that. Points for that. But um, that is not someone you make friends with. Um, that's that's not that no not, mm. but look here in the correspondence um they mentioned that that someone is tracking them from the dwindles uh religious authority and that that all of that just screams mason at me oh interesting um, based, based on my history so while yeah great the guys you know, coming to possibly also stop this this thing from happening, but but I also can't trust the guy. He's he is held up with Devon though, who we think for sure wants to release the shadow, the great shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, we saw we we uh, was it scried on him or no the 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 scouts saw him right saw yeah the Mason scouts Devon. reportedly they described that. They described a person that looked like Mason was following behind two people that sounded in description like Devon and the Martinet. Almost like they were being the like they were being marched forward in a direction. Yeah. It just seems like we have so many common enemies with him, and it could be so nice to not just, you know, carry the situation for once. Maybe have yeah, somebody. But, I mean, 
you you remember how Devon like killed you and oh no I uh, forgot I remember in in our <laughs> fight you know Mason very nearly did the same thing to me you know what you're uh, right. I'm sorry remember the poster <laughs> Winter just kind of uh, leans in the, doesn't take much to kill you Earthen. <laughs> Hey, hey, uh, give me the boat. Give me the boat. My boat. My boat now. Come on. She just raises one of her elven eyebrows at you and just kind of walks off to go talk to one of the lizard folk. Uh, I'll polymorph you. We've given him too much power, and it's not that much power. <laughs> Ultimate power! You're right. You're right. Uh, to it, I wouldn't want to work with somebody who killed me either. Um, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean we can't necessarily leverage. Not leverage. What's the word? Uh, utilize him as a distraction, maybe. Oh, okay. I mean. If if he knew the dragon, if he knew the dragon was guarding uh, the entrance to this whole thing, um, you know, Vasrix seemed to think that uh, it was a it was a good idea in a sarcastic way for us to attack that dragon. But if, what if we could, what if we could coerce Mason and Martinet and Devon towards the dragon? I mean, I do love the idea of them getting the brunt of all of these terrible, horrifying things that are uh, guarding the situation. I guess, uh, let's see if maybe um, Xanath or Spot, who is a pretty seamless assassin, can get more information on them. Because at this point, if we're going to be sitting ducks for two days they might still be doing things and they might still be doing like bad, bad things. Well, to be fair, the only reason Mason got in a fight with you guys is because Puck, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you did with Not that you guys know that, but I'm just saying. But he was super, hey, he, he was tricky as shit in that library, man. That was not cool. Hey, he was just merely investigating then, and following up on some leads. I mean, but wait, then, perfectly. Say, hmm? After your scry, didn't you say something about uh, the priests? That 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 the temple and all that stuff we saw. Um, I don't think so. Remind me if I if I forgot. I thought you said you were talking to your helmet again and you asked them something about like the, the guys up on the oh, city. The cords they got were... tangled. Give me one sec. Oh, well, I, yeah, yeah, asked... I was talking to Helm that he said there might not be any clerics in Helm on this island. Helm, helmet, you know, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I get them. <laughs> um, yeah, God or a simple thing you put on your head. Sure, it makes sense that you. <laughs> You talked to both of them, so you know I don't. I don't know, uh, but you said there weren't any on the island, right? But there was a statue of you and all those guys that said they were followers of Helm, right? Right, right. And a dead priestess, and a manhunt on the surface. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, 
so what are we doing in these two days until the ceremony happens? Do we prepare for that or do we try to find out more information or do we try and reach out to any of these people? Do we How about we, to... oh, sorry, go ahead. So say, uh, do we want to try reaching out to Mason? Like, uh, I know where he, based on earlier conversations with uh, a different band of lizard folk, I know to where he want, likes to hang out topside and I can appear fairly innocuous. Um, I, I know we, we fought, but we come in apparently unarmed. He doesn't need to know about these. I can. I don't think we're close enough, are we? I think he's. Don't we think he's down in the mine? Well, last according to the scouts, he was on his way towards the the volcanic portion of the island. Also, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Before I forget, should we maybe destroy this um, magical thing that might open the gates uh, for that horrible, horrible thing? Can we destroy the anvil? Hold that thought, because I had an idea on that. But uh, kind of opposite version, but yeah. Um, but our, uh, Korgoth, are any of the scouts who who, who tracked uh, the flashy guy and the, the flashy girl and the blonde guy that tried to kill our friend pretty successfully? Um, wow. Are they? I, I, you came I- back. I don't bring up the fact that you died every five minutes, but I'm gonna. <laughs> hey, she like she sticks out her little gnome tongue at you. The the last time I woke up in that fight, I was spinning around on my back. It was really awkward. I opened my eyes and I almost vomited because it was I was spinning a lot in the air. Um, you also recently what? got eaten by a spider, but continue. I'm yeah, whose idea was that? Hey, Erson, fly up in the air. See if you can see the triceratops. <laughs> I quick. physically told you to look out for danger. It's not my fault you couldn't notice it. I warned you. I gave you the bomb and everything. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> anyway, hold on. <laughs> Are any of those scouts... <laughs> <laughs> are any of those? Are any of the scouts that that were tracking the others? Are, are any of them near? Uh, uh, no, we... they are in the village. They're in the village. Uh, well, I, man, I would really like to know. I mean, we have a map now of what the mountain, at least the interior, looks like. It would be good to know where, perhaps, they saw Mason and and those others entering the mountain, right? We need to rest, right? Should we go back to the village? That too. Where those yeah, guys are? Uh, I could really use a rest. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not against going back to the village, but I, it's just, do we stay there after the rest? So uh, maybe we at least can make that decision on the way. That sounds like a smart idea. Hmm. So eventually, I will say how this conversation's been going on. Some of the um, lizard folk have been hauling a lot of the gear and equipment from the other riverboats onto the ones they have brought over. So they're taking advantage of all the surviving equipment. I was say, can we take the the river the riverboat that has the anvil? Assuming the anvil may not be able to move, can we just take that with us? After they take all the other equipment off, the 
riverboat's very much movable, so Korgoth directs two of his warriors to guide the riverboat through the choke point and onto the lake. So at this point, there's now three riverboats, all of it filled with Korgoth's people, um, and those three riverboats have been pushed off the edge of the shore as you guys are now floating across the Umgorn Lake. Um, I'll stay on the one with the uh, anvil. Okay. The riverboats are maybe about five feet apart, ten feet apart from each other, so you guys can kind of see and hear each other. And and it's a shallow lake. Um, it, for the most part, it feels like at some points it's maybe as deep as the poles will allow them to push. Um, every now and then you see great freshwater um, anacondas kind of float up to the surface and then kind of go off towards these strange kind of like rodent looking creatures um, that they begin to hunt. Um, you can see great raptors dipping down into the water and pulling fish out of the water. This place feels like very in tune with the natural environment. Um, off in the distance, you can see the embankment where the village sits and then right beyond the village, the first kind of set of large craggy peaks that make up the outer ring of the interior of the volcanic portion of the island. And then way off in the distance, you could see that, that kind of pinkish glow of the active volcano in the very middle of this great ring of crag and peak. And you drift across the open, shallow lake and you come through like the the reeds and plants that kind of make everything up and eventually you can hear the chanting the cheering and like the kind of excitement of the lizard folk as they see everybody coming and they realize that the threat to the village is this lower part is where they hunt and gather beyond them where the crag goes up in the first of the peaks you can see that outbuilt are their cliff dwellings where they live in the cliff and down here is their village where they hunt and gather from. Um, this was originally abandoned and they'd set up their defenses up above in the cliff. But now that they don't see a threat, they've all kind of come down. There's maybe 60 or 50 or so lizard folk, um, mostly um, women, children, maybe about 10 or 20 um, warriors, some of them being scouts. Um, they all kind of rush the shoreline, kind of greeting all of you and Korgoth, the riverboats, all kind of up on the shore of the beach. Um, it's, it's pleasant. It's relaxing. It's this sense of, of kind of excitement that the defense was successful, that the threat eliminated. Um, but now you have that omnipresence of the, of the great volcanic grounds in the background. As you're kind of guided into the interior of the village, you get to an open ceremonial kind of space. It looks like it's been being built over a period of time. And you get the feeling that this is where the ceremony is to take place. You can see um, a great stone altar with this magnificent kind of orb placed on the altar. It seems to be under the care and guidance of a priestess. You can then see a long, windy path that disappears into the jungle, 
but just on the other side because it's a very it's not a very deep sense of the jungle due to its location. You could see a zigzagging stairwell, like a staircase carved in the side of the cliff face. While the dwellings and the residents seem to be to the far right, that like back and forth zigzag staircase seems to lead to this great blackened door that takes up a vast amount of the surface of the crag. And you get the feeling that maybe that's the obsidian gate that they've been talking about. Korgoth looks around and kind of, easy, easy. Our threats are contained for now. Scouts, to me, please. And he looks at one of the scouts. Trelith, please stay and speak with these five. They have questions for you. As far as the others are concerned, head up towards the fields. Find the mine pits. Korgoth. Yes. Uh, who, who is it that forges that stone? I would like to... I would, can they come as well? Uh, that would be the priestess and her... and her students. I will get to her in a moment. I need my scouts. Charleth, you stay and speak to the others. You, the other three, head towards the mine pit. Be on the lookout for any of Scaleback's survivors. If they are not a threat anymore, offer them sanctuary. Be aware, we need more protectants here than anything else. Be on the lookout for these three individuals that our friends have been seeking. Any sign of them. Let me know immediately. Go now. Come back no later than tomorrow morning. Push yourselves as much as you have to. We must learn and understand all we can of these threats. And he watches the scouts just disappear into the other undergrowth. The others begin to kind of filter away. Korgoth goes, I will go and speak with the priestess. Um, Vashari is her name. Let me talk to her first. She's very secretive about the ceremony. She might not be willing to share this information. But it, uh, It's okay. I don't necessarily need the information. It's more a question of improvement. I will seek her guidance and see what she says. She's willing to talk to you about your improvement. I will bring her over. And he kind of looks over at his daughter and he kind of just keeps walking. Um, Scolari steps up. This is uh, a Trellith. She is one of our best scouts. She was the one that originally told us about the, the three strangers that were seen walking towards the volcano. Trollope begins to nod her head up and down fervently. Ah, yes, I saw them during my trip towards the mountain. But it was strange. I felt like the other two were being forced by the one to keep marching. They did not seem friendly 
to each other. If that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. Do you recall any specific detail from their conversation? Your tongue is not familiar to me. I will try. They seemed to be arguing over something. The two did not seem to know who the other was. The two seemed compelled to almost be concerned about each other, but neither being concerned about the other, the one you call Mason. Oh. It would seem that the others merely wanted to be left alone to find their way in to the mountain. The tall one with the strange eye and the limp seemed intent on trying to find something that must be returned. Hmm. Did he mention... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, did he mention the name of the thing? A relic, a device. No specific name was given. What are the odds he's looking for this animal? I mean, the animal's not from here. It clearly is not from here. It was brought here. It doesn't fit anything here. Uh, uh, he's... less. Um, I'm going to unfurl the map. I'm sorry, I don't know maps. I know landscape, I know nature, I know my paths. Your map is just squiggles in color to me. Do you mind trying something? Um, and I hand him the map of Revelation to see if maybe his point of view will kind of shift the way it works. You watch as the map of Revelation just becomes confused sparkles of color and squiggly lines. Mm. That was a good idea. Mm. You get the feeling the map of revelations might be intelligence based or arcane based. Oh. oh. Well, that does make me smart, doesn't it? <laughs> or at the very least, capable. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Wow, wow. <laughs> the fourth dimension does this. Top is the Samarith. What if can you can you could Trelet, could you describe could you describe the area where you saw them? Uh, maybe that might give you some idea. There were many um, trees and rocks. They were near a mountain. Um they were on one of the hunter paths that we use uh, to hunt bullets. Um, so uh, it's known to us because we hunt. We also hunt the rock shell raptors near where they are as well. They actually, they wouldn't be too far from the small tribe of uh, stone giants that live up on the cliff face um, of the mountains as well. 
Ooh. At the very least, if they can't tell us, you know, Korgok surely knows these places. I think he can read a map better. Actually, if we take a long rest, I can do um, locate animal or plant for the rock rafters. Ooh. I think we're going to stay here for the night, at least. Um, Spock wants to go chasing pirates again. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. I'm very disappointed in all of you. Probably <laughs> <laughs> like minor illusion of um, pirate ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you watch as a dozen lizard folks scatter in fear. Um, like, ah, intruders! Wait, 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 wait. Um, before I forget, um, are you aware of any um, trees with red fruits? Maybe I, I kind of tried to describe what the, the insane uh, or afflicted goblin mentioned where he fell into the into the base of the volcano um i mean that particular fruit we call that uh uh uh, uh blood fruit um it, it mostly because it's the color of blood it's quite sweet um it grows everywhere on the island oh a very common uh kind of uh Almost like a, um, just a very succulent fruit that many creatures eat and others eat. Uh, our own people harvest it as well. Have you ever traded with a guy named... Give me a sec. I'll, I'll be right back with a name. <laughs> I think it was like Wickham's or something like that, but let me see what I wrote. Oh, the crazy goblin's name? Uh, yeah, and then his master was um, a trader uh, who took a lot of stuff from the jungle. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I, got it, he was... I got it written down somewhere, too. <laughs> Named after him. This is my favorite part about playing this game. Wiggins Von Schock? Yes, oh my Wiggum. god. We're yeah, it was Wiggums. Amazing. Wiggums, Wiggums. Like Chief okay. Wiggums, like the Simpsons guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever traded with a guy named Wiggums or seen his posse around? I, I'm a scout. I do not trade. Um, others in the village might trade. Normally it's Galari, Korgoth, or sometimes Vashari that goes into the Underdwell to find things of value that our people might need, things to make weapons or other accompaniments that we might require. I'm sorry, this name is not known to me. Uh, thank you. Uh, do you mind asking around? I certainly. I will go ask about, and then I must join my brothers and sisters on the trail. Uh, thank you. And uh, Talarth just kind of disappears into the crowd of ever kind of like lizard folk going back to what they were doing, either fixing fishing nets, some are on guard, kind of on the peripheral of the village. Some help guide the children back towards the great platforms that raise up into the cliff face to get them back up into safety. Um, I would describe their cliff dwelling, even though it's like within a volcanic cliff face surrounded by jungle, um, you know, just it, it's not large, 
there's not a lot of it, but it's enough to kind of help at least a hundred, you know, you know, fifty families be able to live here. So you can tell that they've suffered a bit of deprivation since Vassarisk's, you know, kind of campaign of destruction. Um, and obviously, um, Nalith is still being held over in the pit mines. But you do see one particular area on the cliff face that looks very ceremonial in creation. Um, that might be where the original brood's hatch was, where the egg chamber was. At least for this location. Now, they describe Nalith being at the Wind Village as the secret place that they had moved them to. So it seems like under normal circumstances, it would be here. But because of Vassarisk's threat, they had moved it over to the other village, which made Nalith vulnerable. And then that's how he eventually found Nalith and the egg chambers or and the and, and the brood. It looks uh, particularly empty up there. Scalari sees where you're looking. That's normally where we keep the brood. Up in that chamber. Under the guard of our watcher. He is an ancient creature that resides up in the cliff face. His purpose to keep a watch on our brood. But Unfortunately, he has fallen ill. It can no longer do what is required. I think he's not a little No, he is not of our ilk. He is of a different kind of creature. May we talk to him? If you are up to the climb, you are more than... I don't see why you couldn't. I could take you up to him. Um, thank you. Are you guys interested in... Are you yeah, guys interested? Okay. Who is this up here? Sorry. Yeah, I didn't get the name either. Say that again? Uh, did we get a thing for, for the, the guy we're going to we're potentially going to go see and just didn't catch it? The Watcher? Okay. Thank you. I didn't... Yeah. Yeah, they just referred to it as the Watcher, who used to who watch you kept protection you over the brood. Winter goes, yeah, y'all have fun. I'm just going to hang out here and, you know, not be a thousand feet up really in fall? the air. All right. Yeah, you, no, it's just, you know, I've fallen out of trees a couple times now, so I'm just going to be here. You want to go a thousand feet up in the air, you knock yourselves out. Hey, uh, Winter, if he, if there's like, like a, to my ring. <laughs> Say that hey. again, Spot, you're breaking up. Sorry. Um, Winter, if there's like a, a field kitchen or like just a communal place to, to make and store food, do me a favor, let me know, because I want to hit that up on the way back and make some snacks for us. I, I feel like we could use some uh, some inspiration in the in the coming days. You know what, Spot, whatever keeps you focused, absolutely. <laughs> she gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Spot focus. Okay. So this. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say lunch, and then the dragon. You've been practicing that, haven't you? <laughs> I've been practicing that one. Yes. Lunch. Oh, <laughs> quack. 
<laughs> you watch you as... put the coin in your fingers like this and flick it. <laughs> you watch as Scalari turns into a giant eagle and then she ruffles her feathers and kind of points at her back for anyone that wants to ride up with her. Uh, Watches lunch, picks up Puck, and kind of they start just kind of hovering, waiting for everybody else. I, I'll swing on the Scolari's back. Get on Scolari's back. The eagle looks over at Xanath and ruffles its feathers. Um, I'll maybe, um, I think I'm going to hang out down here. I'd like to take a look at the altar. Okay. Uh, With that, Spot, Earthen, and Puck float off. Um, Winter's voice can be heard. So where do you keep your kitchen? We have a very strange cat friend amongst us that uh, suffers from chronic focus problems. Um, and when he does this, he makes excellent biscuits. And Oh, yeah, I guess you, muffins, could put, guess you could put mealworms and muffins and biscuits. I mean, it's what you like to eat. And you guys kind of just float off in the direction of the cliff face, heading up <laughs> towards what looks to be the entrance of the egg chamber that they were talking about. Xanath, there's a little bit of calmness around you now. The sounds of the busyness of the tribe, the laughter of the children, the kind of normalcy settles in. You watch as your friends recede into the background, like going from large figures to medium to small figures, arcing up towards the entrance of the cliff face up above. You can hear winter prattling on in the background, but you remain focused. You remain focused on that altar, the orb that sits on it, the priestess that seems to be going through this ritualistic kind of cleansing ritual. She reaches into a stone bowl and pulls out this fine greenish yellow powder and sprinkles it on it. And when she does, it kind of creates little mini arcs of bright light. And you can see Korgoth standing beside her and he stares over to see you approach. And he just kind of lets a little gesture. His hand sticks out and gestures you forward. Can I come forward and, and just kind of, like, I think Xanth can tell that this is like a place of great religious significance and that this altar is sort of like a powerful piece of the ceremony that needs to be done. Can I just kind of take a look at it and see if I can glean anything from it? Mm -hmm. You can hear the priestess chanting every time she puts powder on the orb. The magic of the orb gets a little bit brighter each time. She speaks in her lizard folk tongue. Every now and then you recognize the common name, Melora, which mm. kind of gives you the feeling that she's doing some kind of um, either readiness or some kind of ceremony in preparation for what might be going on in a couple days. Korgoth just kind of whispers, feel free to look around. She is deep in concentration in the rites and rituals. She will not be available for some hours. Uh, give me investigation as you begin to examine the altar itself. Okay. I have only rolled ones and twos today. <laughs> so I'm going to cast enhance ability on myself to give myself a bonus. That's fair. When the random number generator is yeah. out to get you, I totally understand. It's from actual dice. They're just really betraying me today. <laughs> All right. That is a 13. 13? Um, 
As you begin to examine the altar, the stone that it's made out of feels very different than here. And you immediately pick up on the fact that it's made from volcanic rock. So this clearly has been made for a very specific reason. Um, etched into the outer facements of the altar are pictographs of the ceremony itself in a common kind of expression of the intent of the altar. Probably the part that disturbs you the most is you get to the point of the pictograph where the sacrifice is concluded and then that person's essence is fused with the orb. And then the orb is placed into the obsidian gateway. Um, Korgoth kind of catches your sudden realization. And he kind of looks away from you quickly. As you begin to realize that um, Scalari will be sacrificed as part of this ritual. You told us that her magical essence is fused with the rock. But it's it's not just her essence, right? I'm afraid her magic is her. She is magic. She is immaculate. And that's why although you have long lives, she won't be around to do this again in a hundred years. Every hundred years an egg an egg that shows no sign of life is taken from the brood. It is set out upon the first full moon of the Rudeus moon. And we pray to Melora and to Saloon to give us guidance. The light either gives it life or it does not. If it does give it life, that is the one that is chosen by the gods to help us seal the gate. She is daughter in name only. She is not truly of me and my, my wife. She is a daughter of the gods, not a daughter of us. And her sacrifice um. is to send them back to us or send them back to them. Her life is forfeit for this purpose. The magic essence of what brought her into existence allows us to seal the gate yet again for another hundred years until another of the brood can be selected for this purpose. And so that is part of why it is so important who has the brood. Not only the brood, but the chosen one as well. I feel like Vassarisk's intent with her was to sacrifice her and corrupt her to something useful. The anvil that your friends bought, found. I think that was a device that they intend to use to remake this. And he points towards the orb that sits on the altar. And that orb absorbs her essence. It keeps the gate sealed. I think their intent was to use the semblance of our ritual to try to unseal the gate. And you think they're capable of doing that with this anvil? Not anymore. The anvil is in our possession. 
Vasarisk is dead. The main threat to us, I believe, is no longer relevant. The gate will be sealed in two days. You and your friends are extra protection in case there's something we have not realized yet. I think the mine in the Ember Fields is meant for something else. I think they seek for something that was here before the prison was built. I think while there are common interests of understanding, I think there are individual focuses of demand. Vassarisk became bitter and hateful. He wanted to lead all of our people. And something corrupted his mind, set him on a different path. I think that threat is over. What the others intend to do in that mine matters very little to me. As long as the gate remains sealed and we retrieve our brood, the prison will remain sealed. But if the brood is destroyed, she is the last that will ever be able to seal this gate. And in a hundred years, this gate will open. And whatever is kept in there will be freed. This is what the writings teach us. And this is what we believe to be true. So then sealing the gate and recovering the brood are our highest priorities. Priority does not make things easy or hard, just relevant. Tell me, how much of this creature, this dragon that you saw, can you describe for me? It was dark, and I couldn't see it very well. It was, it was extremely large, and it was, it was guarding. But I couldn't tell the color or or really any additional details. If it is a dragon, as you felt that you saw, its size does give us a glimpse into its possible age. Ancient dragons could be very large, but there's never been a history of dragons on this island. This island has always been a haven for creatures that flourish within the jungle environments, natural environments of a volcanic island. Well, I have seen strange creatures. And his eyes kind of look up towards the cliff face just as you lose sight of your friends towards the cliff. Mm -hmm. I have yet to ever really see a dragon. Scar. But... If they wait for orders from Vassarisk to destroy the brood, those orders will not come. Perhaps the brood is being kept there as a insurance against meddling. Had they not captured our brood, my people would already be gathering to lay siege on the mine and stop whatever they're doing. But our numbers suffer. A guardian of the brood falls ill 
And although Vaskrisk has been dealt with, there are threats that we must be mindful of. Chanting. I think I'm gonna just... no, oh, go ahead. no, go I'm ahead. I'm just going to look up the cliff and see if my friends have already sort of passed, you know, into the cave. Yeah, they're like already out of eyesight. So you get the feeling that they've landed and probably already got inside. Okay. The journey up is interesting. This thousand foot sheer cliff. You guys find yourself seeing the greater area of the ring of mountainscape that surrounds the internal area of where the volcano sits in the middle and the blasted landscape and lava fields of the interior ring just kind of just permeate ash and smoke the sense of just how large this area is compared to the rest of the island and then drifting down towards a stone outcropping all of you land. You feel your feet and boots kind of touch the surface as the three of you. You watch as Scalari sits there patiently in her eagle form. And with her beak, she just kind of nudges into the great opening in front of you. I'm going to look over at Buck. Like, uh, what do you think we're going to find in here? Um... Can I do a nature or a survival check to see if I get any ideas? You can do a survival check as you look around the entrance of the cavern to try to better understand what might be in there. 25. There are quite a few feathers lying around. Whatever's in there has been molting a great deal. And some of the feathers are in decay from exposure to the weather. Some are newer. You recognize it as feathers of a rock, R-O-C, a great bird of enormous size that is considered to be, in some cases, feral, but in other cases, sometimes they tend to take on an ancient sentience and can be intelligent creatures. Do I know anything about how to approach this bird? You know that they are very self-aware of how dangerous they can be. You know that food is always a good offering to bring them. Um, and that they can be very protective, extremely protective creatures. This is clearly one that the lizard folk some generations ago has trained to protect this brood site, this place where the egg clutches were originally contained by the lizard folk from down below. Mm. I... And as you sit at the entrance, gathering up feathers and trying to think about what this creature is, you can hear the gentle wheezing of breathing echoing from the interior of the cave. Like this very unhealthy just just like kind of rapid wheeze, this breathing, which echoes outward. Oh, God. Okay. I hurry in. If I have any food or, I mean, I guess tiger food and tiger medications is something I know I have. So I 
Try tiger to get... food and tiger vision. <laughs> Crazy cat lady. Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, for you, taking care of Punch has never been a um, uh, a major issue for the most part. It's one of the few things I did buy before we started in abundance. Um because I'm a crazy cat lady. I, I I guess I harry in, but try not to be intimidating. Okay. As you rush into the cave, leaving Earthen and Spot behind. Earthen and Spot, what are you two doing? After you watch Puck just suddenly rush into the entrance of the cave. Oh, I was always going to YOLO it into this. Okay. <laughs> so you immediately follow yeah. after Puck inside as well. I'll, I'll follow at a distance. Okay. So three of you come in. You could see deer carcasses that have not been eaten, but they're rotting in the initial entrance. You could see great stone bowls filled with fetid water that hasn't been drunk as it's been kind of left here stagnant, but replaced as often as it could be. As you get into the vast interior of this outcropping, you can see the great nest, this huge brimming nest of feathers, twigs, branches, palm fronds, and up on this nest, this great reddish brown creature, gargantuan, large in size, fills up the interior. It lifts its head at the smell and sight of the three of you entering. And it weakly tries to shift, and it's unsuccessful in doing so. And it just kind of lays its great head down, gives out a squawk that echoes oh. with like this sickly kind of struggle. Can I, can I do a medicine check? Um, yeah, or sure. what, medicine or investigation? Um, I'd say you'd want to start with investigation to try to see if you can figure out what's going on. Sure. Um, okay. I just run close to it. Give me an animal handling as you get close, Puck. With advantage because of who you are and the mm -hmm. nature of your form. I got a 23 on my okay. uh, investigation. Okay. Uh, uh, 19. 18 plus three plus two. Nice. You scramble up the side of the nest and up on top where its huge head lies and you immediately come over. Its eye is like the size of your body. It's just this great, you know, huge round eye that blinks. But there's a kind of dullness to the eye, like a sense of like uh, sickness or something. Earthen, as you begin to circle the nest, trying to figure out what in the world could do this to such a creature, what could cause this creature to succumb to something? At the back behind its nest, you could see a like a one-foot round, perfectly carved hole. And you can see shedded skin of something that has bored into that hole and has come out. And you can see a shedded remains of a skin of some sort. It reeks. It's got a foul odor, but it feels like it's been here for a while. And you look and you could see like a kind of like 
dried trail of slime that courses up the back of the nest, up and over and down into the interior of the nest. Am I able to discern what it is? I mean, the nest itself is a good 10 feet tall. So for you, you'd have to climb up. I'm going to fly up. Yeah, okay. I'll fly up and 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 just kind of you lose sight. What that yeah, is. you lose sight of the slime trail down into the interior of the nest as it is completely just covered with the body of the bird of the rock. Spot, what are you doing with your time at this point? I'm going to go take a look at the uh, at the rock, just uh, investigate and see if I think I can do anything to help it. Okay, give me an investigation check as you begin to. You kind of climb up onto the nest as well, and you begin to examine its body, its wings, try to get a fig, kind of try to get an idea as to what might be going on. I got a nine on that. Okay. Every time you try to touch it, get near it, the creature kind of reacts and shifts and pulls away out of fear. Can I do an animal handling check to try to calm it down a little bit? Sure. Give me animal handling. See if you can convince it to calm down. Ooh, 21. Okay. With Puck being there, keeping it focused on her, eventually it gives you enough of a moment and you lay your hand on one of the huge areas of its wing. Skin and bone. Just no meat, no fat, no muscle. This thing to you feels like it's starving to death. I'm going to tell the other guys kind of what I think is going on. Um <sighs> Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my character sheet because I thought I had a thing that might help out. So uh, if you guys have something, go for that real quick. Pocket blinks. It kind of dully lays its head on its side. Oh, God. What, what's this? Um, what's this? Hey, look, 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 look at this. I'm like Earth is like floating the off to the side of the nest. And he's pointing at something. You see yeah. it? it? It goes down in the nest. Huh. What is that? I'll try to get the bird comfortable and then go check out what, uh, what he's looking at. Okay. You start crawling and moving feathers and moving some of the form of the rock. And as you do, you get to the edge where Earthen is pointing at the edge of the nest. And that's when your hand comes across this dried, flaky, kind of like slime-like substance. Uh, what's your passive perception? Oh, God. I don't like that question ever. <laughs> Mind the 19, if that helps. Uh, what is my mind? Uh, uh, 17, so we're pretty perceptive. Mine's 11. I'm dumb as 11? a Earthen, as Puck gets close and you watch as she's now amongst the slime trail that's dried and she's picking and it, it has a kind of like fetid and rotted smell. You, you notice that Puck like moves some of the wing feathers out of the way and some of the body feathers out of the way, and she's like knelt down just behind Puck, down inside the body of the nest. There's something wrapped around the leg of the rock, and you could see a gelatinous form, kind of with a kind of pink, yellow, red body that is latched onto the leg of the rock and it's pulsing like it's absorbing something 
and you watch as it suddenly kind of, whether it's Puck being there or whatever, it kind of constricts a little bit tighter and you all hear the rock just just chortle out and squawk in belting feelings of pain. But it's unable uh, I'm to respond. Cast, I'm going to cast Dissonant Whispers on the thing. Okay. You gonna, kept, go ahead, Spot. At, uh, at level two. Okay. Uh, I was going to try to do a couple of key-empowered strikes on it. So that means you have to drop down inside the nest to come into close contact with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Spot, you drop down inside the nest. Earth, and you hover because you can visually see it. Puck, you hear Spot drop into the nest, and you watch as Earth and starts casting a spell in the direction right behind you, which forces you to look over your shoulder. And there you can see a mind worm. You've dealt uh -huh. with these before, but never one this big. This one's been feeding off the rock for so long that it's gone from its normal small parasitic size to being about 15 feet long by about six feet around. And it's undulation, it's absorbing the blood and like the the organic matter of the rock and you watch as the worm-like head turns to finally let go of the interior like bone meat and skin of the rock's leg reacting to spot you watch as its face flies open with like a dozen fangs on on like serrated kind of like edges of a mouth with no eyes no sense of being able to see mind worms shouldn't be here these are creatures of both magic and construct. Someone has brought this mind worm here for a specific reason. It constricts a little bit more. It kind of intakes a breath of air. Suddenly it screeches and like it just makes this like this horrible noise that's piercing as you watch Earth and finish his spell. It releases the leg of the rock and immediately launches itself towards Spot. Spot, as it comes towards you, how do you want to fend this thing off? I'm going to, well, I'm going to uh, fully extend both my claws and just try to rake it as it comes towards me. Uh, okay. Trust my dexterity just uh, to get me out of the way. Go for it. Give me, give me some attack rolls as it's coming towards you. Okay. All right. First one is a 21 and a 24. Both will hit. Uh, go ahead and roll damage for both. Uh, that is 12 and... Okay. 11. As it launches itself at you, you dip underneath the opening mandibles and maws of its fleshy mouth. And you bring both your hands across the soft underbelly of the creature. And you feel the membrane and tissue just open up like it's not even there. And the internals of this creature spill out onto the ground as the acidic interior of this creature is now kind of like shredded open. And it writhes in a death spasm as it just kind of like spasms for a moment. The last of its internal, like, gelatinous organs spilling out into the nest. The acrid smell of rot kind of permeating up towards your nose. At that moment, 
all of you feel the, the nest shift. You watch as the rock puts its two huge talons into the interior of the nest. It stands up, kind of propping itself up on its tail. Its huge head kind of coming up and it lifts its body slightly above the nest to look under where it can see all three of you. And you watch as it just lets out this triumphant screech of like just feeling like a great pain had been taken away from it. And it slowly plods towards the edge of the opening. And that's where we're going to finish tonight. When we come back next week, now that you guys have met or made a new ally, <laughs> perhaps you'll get to know its name. Puck, I don't know how you keep finding all these creatures. <laughs> I don't know how this happens. But, well, but I have a funny feeling that this group, after the ceremony, will be hitching a ride on the rock, <laughs> heading towards the mine shaft. I don't know why I know this, but somehow deep in the back of my corneal cortex, I believe it to be true. I think, I think the rock smells what we're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys linger. Everybody else, thank you so much for coming out. In about a short 15 minutes to half hour, Debtor's Gambit will be starting up next. But hey... Be safe, be kind, and don't forget to play a game. It's important. Good night, everybody. Thank you. And you guys go ahead and linger so we can chat about next week's schedule.